0: I'm Danny, and this is the AID Podcast, otherwise known as Authentically Inspiring with Danny. Welcome to a space where we talk about the good times, but we don't shy away from difficult, taboo topics either. The goal of this podcast is to provide aid and healing in the form of storytelling and share insight from our life experiences. This podcast isn't self help, nor does it set out to necessarily teach you anything, but rather to share a story and hear your own. Perhaps you learned something along the way. Welcome back to another episode of the AID Podcast. The past few episodes have been examples of showcasing vulnerability through my own experiences and offering insight into how I got through some of those experiences. Personally, I hope people don't have to go through similar experiences, but such is life, and I hope you found something in those episodes for yourself or someone you know. If not, at least I hope you enjoyed listening to them. Today, we're going to dive into how being vulnerable has helped me in my work. Before we do that, though, we have business to attend to. Let's talk shoutouts, thank yous, and our norms for this episode. I want to welcome the new followers we have, which is two of you from Spotify and three on Apple Podcasts. If you like what we do here, or what you hear on the podcast, please make sure to give us a follow on our listening platforms and on our Instagram and LinkedIn, which can be found by searching for The Aid Podcast. We also have a new patron on our patreon.com page. Welcome, Christy, and thank you for joining our community. A big thank you to all of my listeners who've supported me thus far. Growing a community is slow-moving and tough work, akin to growing a fully-fledged plant from a seed. Admittedly, I have gotten slightly frustrated with myself for not knowing how to create engaging content, but I have to remind myself that this is a new thing I'm learning, and I cannot reasonably expect myself to know how to do this yet. But, being said, we are at 111 all-time downloads of this podcast's various episodes, and I truly did not expect that. So again... Thank you for supporting this dream of mine to make a difference in the world. Now for norming the episode. There shouldn't be anything potentially triggering in this episode, and the format will be similar to previous episodes as a storytelling format with intermingled ideas, tips, and realizations you may find helpful. As always, my goal here is that maybe what I learned from my life could help someone else, either through listening directly or by word of mouth. My experience is uniquely my own and there's not a one-size-fits-all approach to people's lives and experiences, so you might find that you can't take anything personally from this episode. But you might be able to make an impact in someone else's life, and that's all I could hope for, because a single person is helped by something we talk about here. Today's episode and our vulnerability theme will talk about how I bring my whole self to work, why that's important, how I got to the point I was able to do so, and how maybe you can too. Before we dive into all of that though, we need to talk about the stigma of being vulnerable. One of the first things I heard in relation to this topic came as a teen. It had been drilled into my head by my emotionally unavailable parental units that being vulnerable was unprofessional, that my private life needed to stay private, and no one at work ever needed to know what was going on outside of work. They told me that a wall needed to exist between my work life and my home life. There are two things that time has allowed me wisdom on in this regard. One, this viewpoint they had stemmed from two things. The first being that it was a generational mentality. Many of the older folks I've learned from had the same shared idea that work was work and home was home, and you didn't mingle the two. The second route to this viewpoint was because they didn't want the conflict at home to ever arise in the public eye. By drilling compliance into my head, they could ensure I never told a soul. Truthfully, I didn't, until about seven years ago when I really started talking about it. Now, two. We're socialized not only by individuals we might have grown up with, but by society to believe how being vulnerable is weakness. And admitting that you're struggling is the equivalent of admitting you're a failure. We hold on to our struggles and keep them locked tight for fear of judgment and shame. This feeling is why it's so hard to ask for help. And the two go hand in hand. And why are we afraid of the judgment and shame? Seriously, why? Why do we do this as a society to each other? I shouldn't be ashamed for asking a question that someone else might already know the answer to. Clearly, I didn't. My wife shouldn't feel ashamed as a mom. if She tells me she needs a break from the kids after a particularly rough morning. And I shouldn't feel ashamed to ask for a few minutes away from work to provide that for her. And to those of you who want to say, well, don't have kids then, you knew what you were getting into, perhaps you should ask yourself why you would rather tear people down and see them fail, instead of seeking to understand a root cause and try and build a culture of compassion and willingness to help one another. Vulnerability is not a weakness, and it is not admitting your failure. But, like many of you, I believed that until about my early 20s. I will say this a thousand times. But your life experience is authentically yours, and there is power to be found in claiming it while validating that it's hard. The freedom from that societal expectation comes when you can identify and then comfortably state where you are in the present moment. So how does one get to that point where they can break out of that societal pressure and bring their entire self to work? It's honestly a question with many paths to many different answers. For me, I didn't really have a choice. I had a moment that forced the habit into every fiber of my being. It started in my 20s, and I hadn't learned the lesson yet that I was human and fallible. I believed hard work would be the only thing that mattered, and professionalism was being available to answer every question and solve every problem. I was an aspirational individual contributor, with sights set on climbing the corporate ladder, which was strange because I was such a team player in sports. Something about work was all-encompassing to me, and all I cared about was getting to the top. I still don't know if that was because of how I was raised, but it was who I was at the time. There were times where I'd work up to 14 hours a day, and the only time I wasn't working was if I was driving or sleeping. I was consumed with the notion that working hard meant getting ahead and setting myself apart, and this was the only way to accomplish my goals of standing out as a woman in tech. What I accomplished instead was a tough life lesson learned young, which is why I'm open and vulnerable at work now. The life lesson, you ask? Life is more important than work. Work pays our ever-increasing bills and is necessary in our current society, yes. But my life, my life was far more critical. I could get another form of income. I could not get another life in this lifetime. You see, I suffered a quote-unquote stress-induced heart event stemming from an underlying condition called pericarditis. And no, it wasn't a panic attack. Although, those suck too and shouldn't be minimized. If you don't know what pericarditis is, my condition is best described as if your heart was wrapped in layers of shrink wrap, and then you rub them together as fast as you could, causing constriction and chest pain. Essentially, the heart has a layer called the pericardium around it, and mine happens to get inflamed and swell up, which causes me a severe stabbing pain in the chest, and sometimes it's so strong I faint from the pain. I'd apparently had pericarditis for some time, and the little shortness of breath moments and chest pains I'd had in my whole life I'd dismissed as heat exhaustion symptoms. After all, my pericarditis symptoms were very similar, and it was far more logical that a kid playing sports outdoors in Texas would have overheated versus having a heart condition. But this incident forced a reckoning with the beliefs I had and the beliefs I was told I should have. I struggled with forcing myself back at work so I didn't fall behind some imaginary curve in my own head or taking the recommended two months off to recover and get right. I wound up on disability leave and a ton of rest. During this recovery period, I questioned why I felt this anxiety of needing to be at work. That's rooted in some deeper problems, but was justified, as it turns out, because they gave my job to someone else while I was recovering, and when I returned, I had the difficult conversation with my boss that the role was no longer mine. I lost my job over something beyond my control, and all the long days and hard work instantly didn't matter. It was this moment when I went to a former boss at the company I was working at, who was leading a new department, and I confided in him what had happened and how scared I was because I'd just bought my first house. Good leaders are incredibly rare, and looking back on my career now, I have had some great ones who indirectly and directly taught me a lot of what I know. He gave me a chance to interview for some positions that were opening in his department, and I made the absolute most of it. With this new opportunity came a new mindset. I had a hidden disability that I needed to be mindful of, otherwise it could impact my physical health. And not a soul knew about it unless I told them. When I politely declined extra projects or extra hours after work for a team-building event, I was painfully aware of the looks I got from my peers. I wondered if the people I'd been so critical of before saw the way that I'd looked at them. And a small side lesson appeared. You never know what's going on with someone under the surface. It's best not to judge the lady speeding down the highway. She might be rushing her pet to the ER. The person late to work all the time might be a single parent having to drop off three kids at three different schools. The co-worker who never goes to happy hours or team lunches might be living paycheck to paycheck and not actually a loner who doesn't want to be part of the team. Yes, there are assholes. But in a world where being vulnerable is shamed and frowned upon, could you tell the difference? Or is it better to just assume that there's a good reason that maybe you don't understand? So, that's why I decided to just start being my whole self at work, vulnerability and all. I wanted to start controlling the narratives instead of letting people fill in the blanks and assuming the wrong things about the decisions I made. It took some time to adjust and get used to, and was awkward for quite some time but definitely rewarding and worth it. Vulnerability being worth it is a strange idea to some, but here's why it matters. You assume a ton of risk right out of the gate. And I don't think I've ever done it without at least one person thinking I was insane for doing it. The trick with vulnerability is most people think you have to build the foundation of trust before you can be open and vulnerable. And that's not the case. It's actually the other way around. Vulnerability is the foundation of trust. People obsessed with having butts and seats equaling productivity might think that this is all touchy-feely crap, and it doesn't matter. But if you think that spending the time and effort to get to know people at this level is crap, then I'd counter that you need a hard look in the mirror. Regardless, it's not touchy-feely. It's actually part of a social science, with tangible data points supporting it. Vulnerability is a social cue, like a little hint you drop when interacting with people. The risk lies in that someone has to be vulnerable first, to build that mutual trust, but it is in fact mutual. When you drop that little hint, the other person has to pick up on it, and then return with their own hint, which you then pick up on. You continue this dance back and forth, and that is ultimately how the foundation of trust between individuals is born. These are called vulnerability loops, and if you truly want to be better at being vulnerable, look them up. Also, read and listen to Brene Brown on the subject. You'll learn a lot. One of my favorite quotes of hers is, You can't get to courage without walking through vulnerability. You might still think it's touchy-feely, and I get it. I used to be you. I used to believe those same things. I'd silently judge my peers for missing quote-unquote tons of work. In reality, it wasn't a ton. I used to think that they were lazy for not working as hard as I was, assuming that because they weren't in their seat at work, they were dicking around or goofing off. Simply put, I was wrong. Now, can that be true? Yes. There are, in fact, some people who don't have a work ethic, but the majority of people do. Realistically, making the assumption that people aren't working hard just because it's not the same level as you're working hard isn't fair to those people. Life is a variance for all of us. When I'm up, you might be down, or vice versa. If you think that things like vulnerability and psychological safety are touchy-feely crap, I'd encourage you to take a leaf from my book, pause, and humble yourself a little bit. If you really sit down and think about it, I'm sure you've had days where you've struggled to fake the energy to care and put forth effort. You might have been stubborn like me and did it anyways, but if you're going to be honest with yourself, you struggled. It sounds wild, I know, but openly expressing vulnerability truly makes an impact on you and those around you. Hell, I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't experienced it myself. So, I hope the next time you're feeling less than 100%. You identify that, and at the very least, set expectations with yourself. But if you can step into an area of discomfort for a moment of growth, I promise you, you'll eventually begin to see a change in your surrounding environments, both work and personal. It's important to note everyone has a different level of vulnerability. Some can exhibit it more easily than others. It's usually determined by past experiences that have shaped how you feel about certain things, who you are, and what your thought process is. For example, I am now more open and more vulnerable based on my life experiences, and when I have a peer who is struggling at work, the first line of questioning I ask them is about themselves: Is their mental state alright? Are they feeling burned out or overloaded? Is there something going on at home that is requiring more of themselves than usual notice these are yes or no questions if a person trusts me they will elaborate but i don't need them to simply having a yes or no tells me much of what i need to know and helps drive towards the right solution in the example above i'd follow up if the answer was yes with what do you need right now to get to an okay state of mind or What is an okay level of energy to put into your work? Do they need some flexible work options to handle what's going on at home? Every solution is flexible and dependent on the needs, but my past experiences encouraging me to be vulnerable make me a better leader and a better peer. It makes me a better human. Not too long ago, I had an excellent reminder on why being vulnerable at work matters. I'd had a coworker once tell me that he admired how I spoke about my present situation, or how I was feeling, or what my energy level was, because it gave him insight into how to work with me that day. It stemmed from when my beloved cat had passed away unexpectedly. I went to work that day, after being up until about 4am that same morning, and I was utterly exhausted. My body was sore and fatigued, my brain was foggy and moving at a snail's pace, And emotionally, I was entirely unavailable. In my line of work, there is a need for me to be emotionally available, and I needed to pause and humble myself that morning to realize that I was definitely not going to function at even 20%, let alone 100%. But I didn't have the means to take the time away from work. So I marched myself into the office for a morning meeting and started it with, Here's what happened to me last night and I'm just not going to be at the level of energy you'd normally expect to see from me today. I got the barrage of sweet condolences from my team, but what I didn't expect was that they'd adapt how they'd interacted with me during the day, or how they'd adapt how they work. It was like the entire blunt honesty of where I was that day humanized me, and it marked a shift in our team dynamic. Over the coming weeks, I began to notice other team members slowly starting to humanize themselves, sharing that the baby kept them up late so they needed to duck out early that day to catch up on sleep, or that their pet was ill and they would be working from home, but needed to step away periodically during the day. A mutual respect built on that humanization, and it began to emerge on top of what already existed, strengthening our team we began to distribute the work and share it amongst each other versus siloing it to one person's specialty. As we built that dynamic further, we began to flex the team's responsibilities willingly based on who had more capacity for the task at hand so that we didn't overload the plate of someone who, for example, was sleep-deprived because of their new infant. They still pulled their weight, but what the team understood was that the amount of weight varied from person to person and day to day sometimes depending on what was happening in their lives presently. There was a mutual agreement that we would do this for them, because they would do it for us when we needed it the most. Now, on the flip side of that coin, from the butts-and-seats-equals-productivity crowd, this might seem easy or obvious to some of you, but it's not for many of us, and it requires us to really stretch ourselves out of everything we've been taught. It's certainly obvious to me now after having lived the experiences of showcasing that vulnerability to people. But I'd be lying if I said I'd always acted on this belief. Did I always hold it deeply in my heart of truth? Yeah. But society is one hell of a motivator with its pressure of the way things, quote unquote, should be. I had to reach a point where I no longer gave a shit what society thought of me. And that is really hard for many people. We're taught very young what to think, what to wear, how to act, and what to say in order to fit in. Kids are some of the most moldable, repeating what they're taught at home and what they see from the world around them. And that shapes how we grow into adults, which shapes our society. You can look to a number of different countries for an example of how to shift society But a great one is how Japan decided, as a society and a government, to keep kids safe, launching a countrywide commitment through the National Action Plan to End Violence Against Children. And did you know that there are actually countries where you can get a stipend from your employer to help with daycare costs? We as a society need to dream bigger, and that starts with us being vulnerable and admitting where we are struggling, especially at work. There are so many areas around employment where we could do better, be better, but we don't get there without admitting where we're falling short first and then demanding change. Ultimately, a collective decision to cycle break is how you reshape society. And that is a massive undertaking met with resistance at every possible turn. So if you're one of those people who has always been like I am now when it comes to expressing open vulnerability, I give you a serious, non-sarcastic congratulations on your advanced perspective. You are the change agents of this world. Make sure you are taking time to rest and recover so you can keep up the good fight of building a better society to live in. I could talk about this subject all day. As I find it truly fascinating. It's linked into psychological safety, trust, innovation and creativity, team dynamics, team performance, and even value delivery, both in terms of quality and speed. I'm certain I'll come back to it in another series but for the sake of this episode, let me get back on the rails and talk a bit more about some quick ways I exhibit vulnerability at work. Number one, I personally show vulnerability in the first five minutes of a meeting. Number two, I tell the truth, even for mundane things. When someone asks how I am, I share something like, I'm great, thanks for asking, just hard at work on correcting something I messed up on yesterday. Or inject some humor, like, Good, thank you, but admittedly my twins are tiny tornadoes today, so I'm a little off-kilter. Shouldn't be surprised though, as tornadoes tend to cause that effect. I don't need to dive deep. I just need to be honest about where I am in the present moment. Number three. I act as a role model and demonstrate the vulnerability first to create that space for others to step into when they're ready. Number four. When someone else does step into that ring and exhibits vulnerability, I provide praise for their courage in doing so. Number five. When discussing my team's work, I ask for the team's insight and expertise and openly tell them that I'm seeking it because they know more on the subject matter than I do. Number six. I admit when I'm wrong. This is hard to get to a space where you can do this because, again, Society tells us being wrong isn't okay. There's another stigma on it. Admitting mistakes and when you're wrong is a key vulnerability piece. Number seven, I openly forgive mistakes. If someone admits to a mistake and is open to learning from it, the least I can do is forgive them for it. Number eight, I don't pretend to know everything. If I don't know the answer, I say so, and then I follow up with, but I'll go find out. Number nine, I show emotion. Whether it's genuine excitement because of a team accomplishment, or if I'm under pressure and stressed, I show the emotions. Now, I'm going to give you some personal recommendations for where you can start to learn and practice how to develop your own skill set of vulnerability. Everyone's journey is different, so these are just suggestions. Number one, again, check out Brene Brown. Like I mentioned earlier, she is the foremost thought leader on the subject. Number two, begin learning about psychological safety. Simon Sinek has a great TED talk on this titled, Why Good Leaders Make You Feel Safe. Number three, figure out where you can exhibit your own vulnerability. Start with something small, like instead of saying you're fine when someone asks how you're doing, Say instead that you're doing grand, or that you're feeling a smidge tired. It's a minimal risk that has a big gain. Number four, speaking up in a meeting to propose a risky or untested idea. Now, these next few are going to get progressively harder, so definitely recommend continuing to grow and challenge yourself with these, but not for the faint of heart and not for those who are afraid of taking a little bit of risk. So, number five, admitting publicly that the project you championed failed and offering lessons learned in the process. Number six, disagreeing with your boss or offering a different way forward than they had previously considered. Number seven, willingly giving up time or resources to help out someone else on your team, taking away from the own resources that you have to achieve your own goals. Number eight. Sticking up for a teammate in the face of adversity. Number nine, volunteering to do something you have no idea how to do. And number 10, saying I don't know. I've scratched but the surface level on this topic during this episode, talking about some personal stories of how I developed the skill, why it's important to me, why it's important in general, scientifically speaking. And hopefully you heard those things, and it gave you some ideas of your own. If you need some help building vulnerability and psychological safety on your own teams, I have some of my own team-building exercises that I have developed that you can use as a resource. Located in our private aid community Discord server and on Patreon. You do have to be a patron of the aid community in order to access those resources, and information can be found at patreon.com forward slash the aid podcast on how to join. I want to leave all of you with this tidbit. Nothing worth getting can be obtained without risk. It might be varying degrees of risk, and in some cases you may have a resilience or mitigation plan, but you have to assume some risk regardless in order to move forward. Exhibiting vulnerability is 100% a risk but what you can build in a culture where vulnerability is practiced and accepted is truly phenomenal. I've experienced it firsthand, lived it myself, and built it on teams. And I know you can too. It's time to wrap up, but thank you for listening. I truly hope that you found something for yourself in today's podcast, and I appreciate you being part of the stream of mine. I hope you consider joining me on this journey to aid one another. I truly believe that community is one of the most powerful things we possess. And if you're able and willing, please visit my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the aid podcast to learn how you can be part of this community and help it grow. Certain Patreon tiers will have special perks and access, such as our private Discord support community. You do need to be over the age of 18 for that, and you will have to go through a verification process to join. I'll also be offering special video recorded episodes with guests in the future where you'll get to hear somebody else's unique life experience and how they navigated through it. You can also check us out on Instagram and LinkedIn at The Aid Podcast. We're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching for The Aid Podcast. And remember, it may not be fine right now, but it will be. Stay safe out there, folks, and I'll see you next time for A.I.D.